Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Shazam and Aquaman episodes are... Sir Patrick. And James Hunt. The only podcast to be doing Shazam and Aquaman in this order. <laughs> Ooh, we're doing two DCEU films back-to-back. I know. Uh... That The first time since we um, subjected our listeners to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, was it? Two weeks back-to-back. <laughs> we, did, we did do those back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, biz- the bizarre double bill of you getting really, really angry about Man of Steel, Seb, and then... To everyone's shot going, oh, Batman v Superman, not as bad. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that's still the correct opinion. Mm, no. Um, we've got a bit of DC stuff to talk about this week, um, but we're going to start off with a lot of Marvel. Um, we've just been having a chat off mic, haven't we, guys, about Avengers Endgame. We think probably unless something like absolutely earth-shattering comes out, we're probably going to put a moratorium on talking about that movie until it comes out because i imagine when yeah. it does come out we'll talk about nothing else for the rest of the year probably <laughs> i mean i think we all just we don't want to be responsible for spoiling anyone because you know at this point we've reached the point in the year where you can just wander into a shop and get spoiled by lego so yeah <laughs> let's so not we'll, contribute to that we'll avoid that stuff i'm sure it will it'll come up passingly in conversation because you can't Mm. avoid it and there is a lot of Disney news Um, so let's start off with the MCU Uh, Black Widow which is expected to be one of the Marvel releases next year um, has been filling out its cast Um, I'm going to butch this name Uh, they've cast O.T. Fagbanel Fagbanel I don't know how you pronounce pronounce his surname Um, a British actor as um who's presumed to be the male lead. He stars in The Handmaid's Tale, which I don't watch, which is bad. Um, But he is apparently very good. Uh, He's a British actor, Seb, so I imagine you will have seen him in something at some point because you are much more devoted to British TV than uh, James (laughs) and I are. I'm sure he'll have popped up in Doctor Who if he's a British actor. Tell me me his (laughs) name again, sorry. O.T. (laughs) Fagbenel. There's going to be someone out there listening to this going, you fucking idiot, Joe. Tell, tell me, make this an edit point and tell me how to spell it. Well, it's o- t- his, son, his his forename is da- literally O-T. O-T. Oh, right. Do you know, I do, right now you oh, he has that, been I on, don't recognise the name. He has been on Doctor Who. He played yeah. of, Other Dave in <laughs> Other Forest Dave. of the Dead and Silence in the Library. I'm sure you yes, remember him I, well. I, I, 
it is a very, very good uh, two-parter. Uh, it's a Stephen Moffat two-parter from the Russell T. Davis era. It's the uh, episode that introduced um, River Song, played by Alex Kingston. I'm sure I've seen him in something else as well, though. Uh, well, anyway, he has been anyway. cast as the um, male lead, uh, or what's rumoured to be the male lead, potentially also a villain role. Um, and because there are a lot of these casting articles coming out that now there's a bit more detail around the film... Um, it sounds like it is going to be uh, some kind of story exploring the origin and whether that involves Scarlett Johansson playing herself younger or whether it's flashbacks, flash forwards, don't know. Uh, but the rest of the cast, which is um, very exciting, um, David Harbour, Florence Pugh and Rachel Weiss are the names that have been cast so far. And those are three names that um, I do know their work um, and go, oh, yeah, OK, interested. Um, David Harbour, who um, looking for a new franchise, it sounds like after uh, <laughs> uh, Hellboy not tracking well with critics not tracking well with the box office and as you can tell from our next announced episode not tracking well to be covered immediately on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> There's just it, it, they. I think, I mean, not just from an us covering it on the podcast point of view uh, they have uh, really dropped the ball by putting this out in April um, like in between Shazam and Endgame. Oh, well, yeah, in between that, two excellent superhero movies. Or they knew what they had, potentially, because the the, yeah. the 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 first reactions from that film aren't just bad; they are like toxic. So um, they, I'm sure they we are, will. People speak involved about it the with it are already washing their hands of it. Levels yeah. of bad. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure we will at some point get to it on the podcast, and I, I'm sure I will see it. Um, but it, yeah, April wasn't the time to cover it. But yeah, so David Harbour is um, is lined up to star in Black Widow and he's actually been talking about it. Um, Rachel Weisz obviously coming off like one of the best performances in her career in, in The Favourite um, and she seems kind of like tailor-made for that kind of world. Um I don't, I'm just thinking about the you know the flashbacky stuff that we got in Age of Ultron and Julie Delpy. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I could see Rachel Weisz existing in that world. Um, and then Florence Pugh, who I don't know if you guys how familiar you are with her, but she was in Fighting with My Family uh, recently. Um, starred in Outlaw King. She was amazing in Lady Macbeth, um, and she was in the TV series The Little Drama Girl. Um, She's incredible and has a really interesting, um, just a really interesting vibe anytime she turns up in something. And I could imagine her being a a, a proper badass uh, Black Widow program kind of spy person or even potentially, I don't know, she, she could be a younger Black Widow. I could see that working. I think she's probably about 10, 15 years younger than Scarlett Johansson, if I had to guess. So it could work. But I really like this cast. Um, and I'm wondering... Um, the question I want to ask you guys, because uh, I saw um, regular podcast Amon Warman uh, on Twitter talking about this and saying that like he wasn't... he Basically, he didn't feel as excited for this movie as he would have done four or five years ago. That it felt like Marvel had missed the boat. And... Yeah... Is that the same vibe you get? Because I just want to see this story. I'm annoyed that we didn't get it earlier, but I, I'm, I'm no less excited to see it now than I would have been then. 
I think the problem is we don't really know how it's going to fit into the MCU's wider context. So if it's just a prequel, it's going to feel a bit like, well, you know, what? how's this contributing to the story? Because Black Widow's arc is over. That said, we don't know how Black Widow is going to end Endgame. So I think, the, I think the way that that character sort of bows out of Avengers Endgame will will make a big difference to mm. how people perceive this movie. Because if they... she dies and this is just a prequel, like it's going to have that thing that some comics have, where you're like, well, this doesn't, this comic doesn't matter. There is that. I mean, yeah, there, I suppose there is the it doesn't matter question, but there is also the this is a way of getting more stories with the character question. Yeah, um, you know, it's a way is, we get is... more Black Widow. But then it's like, well, if you want more Black Widow as played by Scarlett Johansson, why kill her off if that's what they're doing? Which yeah, well, I don't this think is will actually. But... This is sort of what I mean. Is like the movies are going to get to the point the comics are at, where if a comic doesn't contribute to the overall universe narrative people just go oh that one doesn't matter like it doesn't doesn't make a difference if it's like the best story in the world people just go oh it's not it's not that, part of the next crossover that's a, so that's a marketing really problem care. though that's a that's a marketing and yeah. anticipation problem it's not a problem for the movie itself and yeah, uh, my <laughs> my argument it. my argument would be as say because the reason i think we've always assumed this would be an origin story is because just where that character is in the Marvel universe, it, it has always felt like that's the more interesting story from what we know about her to tell. Well, it's than, certainly the more the story. enigmatic part of the story because at the moment she's at the end of a redemptive arc, right? Yeah, and I would, and so I would be interested in seeing this story more than, uh, say, a sequel set after Avengers Endgame, pr- presuming she survives. But even if she doesn't survive Endgame, or her her plot in, in a, at the end of Endgame kind of wraps up to the extent of you won't be seeing further adventures with this character, uh, however that might be. Um, I think I'd still be... I think that Marvel, because their universe is so big and so vast, that an origin story could kind of reframe that character contextually, but but also include other stuff that can have ramifications further down the line. So oh, you, yeah, can do, you can do a Black Widow origin story that potentially, I don't know, that like it's a really awesome story focused on her, but you find out something about someone she interacted with or um, or, or another character who's about to show up in the MCU or already has mm-hmm. that can make it feel like it has ramifications from that marketing point of view. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, like there are ways you can do that, but until they do there's going to be this perception of like, well, I don't really know what it is or how it fits into things. So I'm just not as excited. Like I'm speaking hypothetically, like I'm pretty excited to see it, but Mm. I can, I can understand why people might be less excited to see it after Avengers Endgame than they would have been before it. Or than they would have been in like 2014, 15. When would have been the perfect time for this movie? Post uh, Avengers, like, so yeah, if, if I think immediately Man... after Avengers would have been I, the time to do it. I think you still need Iron Man three as the one immediately after Avengers, but I would do it after Iron Man three. I see. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon about a year or two after Winter Soldier. 
Oh, true. No, yeah, she's better yeah. in Winter Soldier than she is in Avengers. Isn't she? So you that, get, Winter Soldier is the point where we went. We want more of her on her own. Well, uh, and she and she walks into court and kind of goes right. I'm laying it out there. You all know my past, and you're gonna have to mm. deal with it. Uh, except yeah. we still don't yeah. know her past, and it would have been nice <laughs> to then go. I mean, that's yeah, sort of the thing, right. right? The the story should be. Black Widow in the present day comes up against something that has ramifications stretching back to her origin, and we get a story like, in the present day and a flashback showing her origin and how it like a, like, ties um, in together. Say Iron Man three, like I am. <laughs> oh, hello! That was the night that I cre- I didn't realize, but I was creating demons. Except I'm sure that Black Widow realized. It is weird though that we haven't seen much of that stuff crop up. I'm assuming we're going to get some kind of. Bucky reference in here, whether it's a different actor playing a young Winter Soldier, but it feels like that's been a a thread that they've been tempting to pull at, but never really dug into. Yeah, I'd be interested because, like, the Black Widow's origin is actually really interesting in the comics, like in in a sort of universe building way. Like the fact that she's been sort of you know programmed and and tampered with and made part of this like cold war espionage program like that's you could do a spy franchise based on that sort of stuff on its own and there would be nothing to stop you doing like an infinite number of black widow films based on not just the black widow but other black widows like it could be a it could be a bond level franchise just on its own if it really wanted to be Now you've got me excited, but, James. <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing is, tying Mixing it into... Mixing together my two favourite franchises. <laughs> <laughs> tying it into the superhero stuff, like, sort of dulls it in a way, because it, if you don't have fantastical stuff going on, it it becomes slightly less special. So, like, you, is anyone going to be excited about a Black Widow movie if she doesn't have oh, I don't some want any... sort of superpowered foe? I, I don't, know. don't like, want any of that know. stuff. I don't, really don't want any of that stuff. I want yeah. it to be, like gritty spy stuff have a villain that's got a that's got a bond-esque quirk should i tell you what the best black widow movie of the last few years was atomic blonde (laughs) it definitely wasn't red sparrow (laughs) (laughs) no um yeah so so uh, black widow um directed by kate shortland um whose film law i'm planning to catch up on based on this um and uh yeah that cast i think is rounding out really nicely so hopefully that is one of the disney movies that we see next year alongside seamless segue eternals um (laughs) i love how you just just keep trying to get us to talk about this like (laughs) we don't have anything to say no right well i've got questions to ask so um we we hinted at this in our shazam episode because this news had already broken at that point um but kamel nanjiani is uh was apparently in talks to join eternals um marvel haven't commented which is kind of they're not commenting on anything at this point it sounds like um until endgame is out of the way um but if that is the case the first two actors in that movie would be Kamel Nanjiani and Angelina Jolie um which works for me I think it is this is it, it feels like perfect Marvel casting in the way that I would have not expected to see Kamel Nanjiani popping up in a Marvel movie but here he is it feels Chris Pratt-esque when they cast him in Guardians of the Galaxy, and certainly in that in that first movie, that paid real dividends. Um, 
And so, guys, I know you don't care about the Eternals. I know that is it is kind of the least interesting project that Marvel could possibly be doing. Um, but that cast, right? So far, those two actors, that's interesting. Do we do we really want to see Angelina Jolie turning up for the paycheck? Because let's face it, she's been basically in retirement for God knows how long. She's not coming out of this with artistic merit. It's because someone's gone, we'll give you a shitload of money to turn up for 10 minutes of footage in our movie. Your kids will love it. You know, come and Anthony Hopkins it. I, mm, so for, for as much, I, she's not, she's not been doing an awful lot of work over the past five, six years, uh, maybe even longer. But the big movie she obviously released in that time was Maleficent, which is a movie that I don't care for. But I definitely never got to get the sense of her phoning it in in there. Um, and I'm not sure that Angelina Jolie is ever an actress that I've really thought phones it in. And so, yeah, her in this is potentially Cersei. That sounds like who she's playing. Um, and Kamel Nanjiani in there as well. And again, I'm excited. I think it sounds good. This is not... this Because there are, there are a bunch of boring-ass actors out there who Marvel could be casting in their projects, but they seem to just find a way to like push buttons for me that I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's someone who I really want to see in a movie. And the fact that Marvel are going to get Angelina Jolie to turn up in a big movie, which she doesn't do that often, great. I mean, the problem is, right? It's Eternals. They could, they could say... <laughs> The entire cast of Riverdale has been cast in Eternals, and I was still oh, that go, would, eh, that would be bad. Eternals. Well, no, that, then I would definitely go uh, Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> no, Just, I don't think you would, James. I, I, I really don't think you would if the entire cast of Riverdale <laughs> was cast in it. No, they could put Sentinels in it, and James still wouldn't well, if, be if, 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 if the entire cast of Riverdale was cast, and also Keenan and Shipka, then and there are well. and there are Sentinels. And the Sentinels. <laughs> it's just um, you know, the Eternals. Like, just even saying like Angelina Jolie is going to be Cersei. Like, that's a character I know, and that makes me less interested because I'm like, <laughs> oh, she's going to be Cersei. Do you know what? Okay. You've you've said the name of the character that she's playing a few times already, and even though you've done that, I still can't remember any of the names of any of the Eternals. <laughs> I can't remember the one you just said thirty seconds ago. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Um, and see whether this makes any sense for you. Apparently, as well as the Eternals, the movie is going to have the Deviants. Yeah, of course it's going to have the Deviants. What are the Deviants? The Deviants, right, are like the evil Eternals. Oh. No, not who, like, uh. <laughs> like, they basically, sound, the, cool. the Eternals and the Deviants are both experiments that I think the Kree did. It was, was it the Kree or the... Um, celestials some some I've, the celestials. I've read the yeah, celestials cele- okay so the the celestials made like the deviants and the eternals and the eternals were really good and the deviants were like really angry and they were at war and humans were caught in the middle that is it do you know what the thing is about the eternals right jack kirby had a, an insane mind in terms of, of an insane level of, of creativity to come up with with these kind of out there concepts. But in the 1960s, Jack Kirby worked with Stan Lee and <laughs> together 
they created wild out their concepts that were relatable and entertaining. And then Jack Kirby went to DC in the 70s and created a load of stuff on his own that I know it has its fans and some good stuff has come out of it, but was largely just big and incomprehensible and and a bit tedious really um because he just he wasn't he wasn't tied to anyone else he didn't have anyone grounding him and he didn't have it no one could tell him this is tedious and you're you're wrapped up in your own ideas and you haven't actually given thought to how they'll actually come across to to other people um but it kind of worked still and then he went back to Marvel and he did the same thing and we got the Eternals. <laughs> and it and it didn't have the, the the sort of the good stuff coming out of it that actually kind of made it work. It was just it was just an unfettered Jack Kirby at a point where no one could could bring Jack Kirby back down to her. Yeah, but if- and no one could say Jack, maybe work on this a little bit more and make it good because yeah. he was Jack Kirby. But so. if those are the two I'll, 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 okay. I'll just pull, pull myself back up on something there when I said given much thought to. That's that's wrong. That's that's a, I've kind of misspoken there by saying not giving much thought to how it will come across. That's that you know that's that's implying a lack of thought and work, and that's not the case. But it's just yeah, you you, you just needed somebody else to sort of you know. But given that you're it. saying that those two ideas are similar. But he did it well one time and didn't do it well the other time. I don't time. think he did it well that one time. I'm saying oh, some okay. people yeah. like the fourth world. I, I don't. <laughs> okay. I just a lot of people like a lot of people like the fourth world because it's been around for a long time, not because it's good. Yeah, and people have have taken elements of it and individually got good things out of things like Mister Miracle and Dark Side. So what not, is not Orion? <laughs> so Kevin Feige has not pulled this idea out of nowhere. What's he What's he seeing then? Because I don't be... know. I think he what he's seeing is we're sitting on a pile of IP and we need to start moving it on. I don't think I don't think that the they you know that desperate that they're just picking anything at random. <sighs> there must be a spec script somewhere. Someone's I, just, someone's, I can't imagine. Someone's what's... come up with a pitch that 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 Kevin Feige has gone. Oh yeah, that works. Because <sighs> there's so much stuff they could be doing if if they wanted to. There's other characters that are still out there. Yeah, although the fact that <laughs> the movies we're getting are Master of Kung Fu and Eternals suggests that they are down at the bottom of their spec script pile. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah. the, right, they could they could a they could hold those back and weave them in later in Phase Four. They could they could be doing stuff like taking Daredevil and Luke Cage and those kind of characters and doing stuff with them on the big screen. They could be looking at. Um, uh, like a, pro- a property like Ghost Rider or anything like that, right? But they're not doing. They're they're picking this, and that makes me think that rather than scraping the bottom of the barrel, and like Shang Chi, for example, I don't think that Shang Chi has been has be is is just like oh god, there's no other characters to make. I think they're probably thinking we we probably five or ten years ago would have made the Iron Fist movie here, but instead mm-hmm. what we what we're gonna do because we are taking a different approach to things now is tell that kind of story, but actually with an Asian or Asian-American lead character. Um, and, and, you know, the the, the rumours coming out of Eternals keeping that there is going to be um, a gay lead character in that movie as well. The rumour at the moment is that that could be Hercules. And, you know, I read Hercules in the comics and I thought he was cool. What would Hercules be doing in an Eternals movie? Well, Exactly. It, they they should make uh, uh like an immortal Hercules movie because that would be amazing. 
Hercules is a great character who they yeah, should definitely can, be doing before any of the Eternals. You can just take Hercules in his own right and just, yeah. Or the fact that Hercules is not a character that you expect to be in an Eternals movie could maybe hint that they are doing something that is not much like anything you've ever read in the comics with the Eternals. Look, there are hundreds of Eternals and they're all shit. <laughs> if they want to make a movie like... I can't wait Hercules for you to love it. this. They can just make an. They can just make a Hercules movie. It's fine. <laughs> I'm. I'm never going to do anything but play devil's advocate with the concept of this movie on this podcast. Do you and want I, me to just I, read out some random eternal names to try and disabuse you of the notion that any of them are worth listening? No, to because I can't. Wait. James, I can't wait for eighteen months from now when you're like, oh shit, that was good. <laughs> sorry, Who's actually... your favorite eternal? Is it? Is it Valkin? Is it Fastos? Is it Atlo? I mean, they all sound fine. <laughs> is it Druig, Makari, Psychos, Master Elo? Listen, Shastra, James, Dom Dugan sounds terrible until he turns up in the first Avenger and you're like, I want this guy to be my best yeah, friend. Yeah, the difference is there were tons of comics in which Dum Dum Dugan was excellent. <laughs> El Vampiro, that's my favourite. Oh. Should I tell you the one. More there, the, there is one interesting thing about the Eternals, right? And that is that in the comics, Thanos is an Eternal. That oh. is literally the only thing I can imagine that they're spinning anything out of. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I can't <laughs> help it. I'm excited. I think I am like, generally, I approach everything from a position of optimism with superhero movies. <laughs> Where there is probably going to be a trend as we go down this list of stuff for this episode as well. Um, hey, I'll put you out of your misery. Let's stop talking about the Eternals. Uh, let's just oh, talk Christ. briefly that in a... Um, so it was CinemaCon last week, um, and Disney were there. It was just after the Fox acquisition, so there was a couple of interesting things that came out of that. Uh, one in a um, news report, Deadline suggested that one of the 2020 movies for Marvel would be Doctor Strange 2, and they actually listed that ahead of Shang-Chi. So Marvel only have two dates announced or presumed two dates announced for 2020 so far. So far. Still think there could be three movies, but potentially Black Widow and Doctor Strange 2, and then maybe Shang-Chi. So that's excited for that's exciting for Doctor Strange fans. Yeah. Any any are you guys Doctor Strange fans now? I mean I never wasn't a Doctor Strange fan. Just Not as much as me. Not as much as you, yeah. yeah. I was um, I was looking at some quotes from Scott Derrickson from you know after that movie came out and he was talking about the sequel being potentially Baron Mordo trying to rid magic from the universe and potentially Nightmare popping up in there as well and I was like oh my god this sounds great <laughs> give me more Chewie give me Benedict Cumberbatch now he's figured out how to play that character. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, and my my brief experiences with Nightmare in the comics, I was like, oh, Scott Erickson, you can do some trippy stuff with that. So uh, fingers crossed that, that that is one of the 2020 movies. Um, also, um, Disney presented its slate and there was a couple of interesting tidbits from the Fox side of things. Uh, number one is that New Mutants was on their slate of, of releases that they have for the rest of the year. So they kind of listed up all of their properties that they had coming between Disney and what they had acquired in the deal from Fox. Um, And New Mutants was still on it, which suggests in one form or another, whether it's theatrically, whether it's 
dropped onto um, a streaming service, which that rumor is out there. I think we were talking about that before that rumor existed, but it's out there now. Uh, but it will apparently come out this year. It would behoove Disney right just to kind of... You don't want people asking that question like in a year or two's time like oh we'll be finally going to see new mutants please release the hashtag new mutants cut um you just want to get it out of the way you want to get all of the fox stuff done after dark phoenix and new mutants and then it's just your stuff to play with from that point on yeah i mean the only reason i can see not to put it on disney plus is because they want Disney Plus to be a blank slate when it comes to the X-Men franchise. <laughs> like I just yeah. I I don't see any benefit to releasing this sort of creatively mangled like tail end of a dead franchise. I mean we still don't know when Disney Plus will launch, but it's expected but, yeah, to they're be preparing like a lot of stuff for it. So. The last the last few months of this year. And actually, a big X-Men movie that has come... Well, a, 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 an X-Men movie with a theatrical budget that has cost them nothing. Mm-hmm. They Seems don't have like to write anything to off there. Out, right? Yeah. So whether it's... Or whether they go day and date and kind of give it a limited theatrical release. Yeah. And drop it on the streaming service at the same time. So... yeah. It That's just seems interesting. Like, like free, you know, free content at this point, right? Because a theatrical yeah. release... It, it's probably going to lose money on, but putting it out on streaming, everyone will be like, oh, the new X-Men movie is out on streaming. Mm. Or sell it to Netflix and actually make a, make a little bit of money from it. <laughs> That's the other option. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, so the other dangling thread, um, superhero wise um, from the Fox merger is Deadpool. And Alan Horn, one of the first things that he talked about in his speech at CinemaCon was that there are more Deadpool movies coming at Disney, which I think we expected. Um, mm-hmm. I, because I don't, they made lots of money. Yes. Um, and I and Disney I, I don't necessarily have to release those movies under the Disney banner so they could still, you know, put out a Deadpool movie that is R-rated that isn't doesn't actually say Disney at the front of it. It could still say Fox or one of their offshoot studios. Um, or they could create something bespoke for that kind of content. Because they're talking about... Uh, also, as part of this, they were talking about Avatar sequels and Alien sequels. And so it sounds like these franchises that are more adult-oriented than what they would normally make will still be released at Disney. Um, I mean, that's probably part of the reason they bought Fox, right? Yeah, for the it's, IP. Yeah, It's because they were like, well, you know, we've got the kids stitched up. Like, way back when, when they... The reason they bought Marvel, allegedly, was because they were like, well, our, our franchises absolutely slay with, you know, the... kids. Girls. Like, let's mm. do mm. the same for the boys. And, you know, a few years later, they owned Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so that would definitely make sense. Um, so it sounds like more Deadpool movies will be coming at Disney. Um but here's, here's an interesting wrinkle. We talked about Drew Geldard, Seb, on the last minisode and the deal that he had uh, penned with 20th Century Fox TV. Um, Drew Goddard was, of course, lined up to potentially direct X-Force. Um, but he is going to be adapting, uh, well, uh, yeah, writing an adaptation of the graphic novel Sabrina. Uh, 
This is confusing. This is not the Audrey Hepburn <laughs> movie. Witch. Not the Teenage Witch. It's a, it's its own thing. <laughs> it's called Sabrina. Um, and it's not the uh, Harrison Ford remake remake of the Audrey Hepburn movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apparently this With focuses Ormond in the. Uh, mm. Just I just remembered seeing trailers for that when it came out and looking like the most baffling movie. <laughs> Yeah, odd one to remake. Uh, but yeah, the plot focuses on a grieving man after his girlfriend Sabrina goes missing. He goes to live with his old friend, an Air Force surveillance expert agent who is dealing with a failed marriage when a grisly videotape is anonymously sent to news outlets and Sabrina's disappearance goes viral. So it sounds yeah, I think the, gone girly. The important thing about Sabrina, I think, it may, was it the first graphic novel nominated for the Man Booker? That is, that is yes, that is exactly yeah. correct you know, nominated alongside actual novels. So it's good then? Yeah. Okay, but so... <laughs> so it makes sense. It's medium. I wonder if it makes sense that Drew Goddard would look at this as his next project ahead of an X, X-Force Deadpool movie, or whether maybe he's covering his bases and going, I don't know what's happening once this project... You know, Fox wanted me to do this, but I don't know whether Disney are going to want me to do this here's a project that I can definitely work on. I think we can safely say he's covering his bases because like yeah. no one outside of, of the, like, you know, the, the cast of new mutants don't know what's happening with their films. Like no. Goddard's not going to know what's happening with a film that doesn't exist yet. I imagine a lot of people inside Disney don't know what's happening with those, with the X-Men projects. No, yet. quite. Probably because they're in a big folder on Kevin Feige's desk and he's going like, as soon as Endgame's out of the way, I'm going to look at this. If I was Kevin Feige, I would stay well out of everything Deadpool. I'd just, like, let someone else... <laughs> I mean, the thing with Deadpool, with right, is that the creative mileage they could have from putting Deadpool in the MCU could... I don't want to see it. Well, the thing is, right, you wouldn't have to have him as part of the MCU, like, so he can turn up in Avengers. They could just do, like, first scene of Deadpool 3, he jumps through a portal, he's in the MCU... You know, he's knocking Winter Soldier around for a bit. You know, then at the end of it, he goes in a different portal and he's gone again. And like... Yeah. They could make a ton of money out of that. I could deal because, with that a like, little bit more. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I mean, don't think I didn't see you trying to butter up to me with Winter Soldier getting knocked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like... Deadpool's that kind of character who could easily survive the like transplant from an X-Men universe to the MCU. I just don't want it. <laughs> just don't I want him to be his own thing. But it will it will obviously need Kevin Feige's eye on it because if he is looking at how do I work the X-Men into the MCU and this is a movie that has characters like Juggernaut popping up halfway mm-hmm. through the last movie he he's probably going to have to say either these are toys you can and can't play with or that's that's or, what you get or i'm going to or i'm going to actually figure out how to fit you into the universe i've already got yeah so uh that's deadpool um and the last point on disney before we move over to dc um i'm willing to um argue with you for a while here if i need to but the greatest news ever is that Hawkeye is potentially coming to Disney+. Plus. Seb, you can have this one. <laughs> I'm argued this, out. This is good news. Well, have has it not been said that it uh, 
could be Kate Bishop related. It is. Is that speculation or is that ever actually said? The Variety report suggested that the potential plot for this show would be Hawkeye training up a new young archer and specifically said Kate Bishop. I mean, (laughs) he'll be like, here's what you've got to do. You've got to stand in the background and try not to get involved. I mean, what everyone's saying is, what if we get Matt Fraction Hawkeye? Which is possible, right? Which is possible. No, it's not possible. How How is it possible? This Hawkeye is a family man. Like, they're not going to do Hawkeye with where he goes back to a family at the end of the day. Like, that's the antithesis of the Matt Fraction Hawkeye. We don't know what his status is at the end of Endgame. Yeah. And we don't yeah, know what his if, family like, is. If his entire family is dead, that's not going to be the Matt Fraction Hawkeye. What if his entire family has left him? Because they didn't like his haircut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that seems more likely. It just, I can't see them doing Haw- Hawkeye, Matt Fraction Hawkeye with Jeremy Renner Hawkeye because the two don't resolve properly. Can I make my case, by the way, just for Hawkeye as a character in the MCU? No. <laughs> because, James, you are so, you, you are so, so badly wrong on Hawkeye. It is not that Hawkeye is a bad character. Jeremy Renner is a good actor and Jeremy Renner tends to be good in kind of like meaty supporting roles. And actually, if this Hawkeye show is, which I think would be a wise choice to kind of have the lead as a young Kate Bishop and Hawkeye as um, a supporting like mentor character that's where Jeremy Renner tends to shine and I think the reason I I love Hawkeye I think the reason I love Hawkeye in the MCU is he is the he's like the one real dude he's just a he's just a guy doing his job and he seems like at the end of the day he goes home to a real life which none of the other characters have and when you actually when Joss Whedon actually gave some time and dedicated some time to that in Age of Ultron it was it was interesting and the character popped and the emotional stuff that he had at the end of the movie with Quicksilver (laughs) <laughs> really works as well. I love that. I, I, I love I, that. I stuff totally agree with what you say there. When you're like, "Oh, he's the one real, real guy." Yeah, yeah. but that's mostly happening in your head. Like that's I, I, that barely happens in the actual films. Like well, in, it barely happens the in the films because because Hawkeye barely happens in the MCU. Well, but that's when, the thing, right? But when within the actual does, MCU, like in the reality of the films, if you delete Hawkeye, everything gets better. Um, that's that's fundamentally not true. And also, like, I, I think his relationship with Black Widow has always been compelling. And I think that when the two of those share the screen, it has been compelling in, in both of the Avengers movies. Again, um, we're talking about maybe three minutes of material. Yes, but, but it, does, it doesn't <laughs> matter because what, the point I am making is the fact, that, the fact that the MCU has done him wrong in terms of the amount of attention they've given him that's not a problem when you're giving him potentially a six to eight episode <laughs> six Disney to eight Plus Disney which Plus series does not appear. No, but it's a Hawkeye series. <laughs> yeah. So the the best one of the best things about Hawkeye will not be in this film. No, one of the relationships that is interesting in the in the MCU. I I, I think that a Hawkeye series, and especially because I like Kate Bishop. I like and and I like the idea of Marvel 
rather than trying to figure out like, oh, okay, so we've got Hawkeye, but actually what movies would it make sense for him to fit into as we go forward? And, and as I said recently, a lot of these supporting characters who potentially their lead character who they normally star alongside <laughs> is not in these movies anymore. Um, that that they, they have to find new places. Um, and, I, and if that is Disney Plus shows and those Disney Plus shows potentially build up a character like Kate Bishop for her to then appear in the, MC, in the MCU on the big screen, great. And so that then you could potentially have characters popping up in the MCU where they have had chance to develop and fully form by the time they show up in movies. Because I imagine as well, I think a lot of people are going to be watching these shows. I don't think it's going to be like a character. It's not going to be one directional like it is with the or was with the Netflix ones, certainly. Yeah, but I think I like I. I think so many people will end up at least if they get. I mean, if they get the first show right, which we still think is Loki. If they get that first show right, and everyone signs up to Disney Plus and watches it. Then probably all of these are going to get more eyes than your stand on them than your standard I, TV I'm, shows would. Uh, I don't know. I just TV. Even the biggest TV audiences are smaller than than movie audiences, right? Especially on streaming. Well, we don't know. <laughs> We've no idea, unfortunately, on streaming. Yeah, but I mean, Game I of I'm... Game of Thrones is going to be getting twenty million people watching week of release each week for this new season this this month. I don't think. You know. Yeah, I don't think Hawkeye is going to be the next Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, probably not. But um, but I still think I think they're going to get enough eyes on them. But in the same way that you know, like Ant Man doesn't get the eyes on it that um, Civil War had. But when Ant Man showed up in Civil War, he was fully formed, so they didn't have to mess around by going, "Who's this guy?" He just turned up doing what he was doing, and the movie didn't care that maybe two thirds of the audience hadn't. Seen- Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM seen ant-man they went you'll catch up and we and we know at least that we've done the we've done the work from a character perspective here that it makes sense that he shows up yeah i mean it's it's certainly more likely than daredevil showing up in endgame was yes definitely 
Um, so yeah, so I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm super in the tank for this, and um, the fact that it's Kate Bishop, and yeah, that 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 people are even talking remotely about the Fraction story. You don't have to directly adapt that comic, but you could take stuff from it. You could certainly take a Hawkeye Kate Bishop relationship because whilst the I, I could see a semi in retirement Jeremy Renner version of Hawkeye being able to get somewhere close to that character. Yeah, that's fair. I mean the the thing that really makes me think sort of anything good about these films is that they're being made by Marvel Studios rather than Marvel TV, yeah. and. Let's face it, Marvel Studios never puts a foot wrong ever, with the possible exception of making an Eternals movie. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Marvel TV has churned out sort of creatively uneven, low budget hmm. sort of. <sighs> yeah, I would imagine. I don't want to say should... bad, but like certainly uneven, fair for close to a decade. These shows are going to have a budget. There's there's no doubt about that, and six to eight episodes. Yeah, sound. they're gonna have a budget. They're yeah. gonna have talent, and they're gonna yeah. have the creative oversight of people who have done you know churned out nothing but hits. Hmm. So, on that level, and, I'm thinking, yeah, Hawkeye Hawkeye TV series probably be fine. And if it comes Vision with Scarlet the promise Witch, of probably gonna be fine. Yeah, if like, it comes with the promise of this is this is going to have some storytelling impact or this is going to connect in some way I mean, to... I mean, I, I almost don't even care about that. I no, just I care... don't, but I think that's a, mar- that's a marketing tool. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And, like, then they're not going to risk... You know, we joke about Hawkeye being shit, but they're not going to risk fucking up Hawkeye on a bad TV series, right? You'd hope not. They're not going to risk fucking up Loki because mm. Loki is one of their MVPs. Like, if they, the only reason they're doing this is because they think they can make more money and and get more out of the character by putting him in a TV context. I would add, I would I would say as well, and I'd be interested to hear if you to see if you guys agree with me on this. I think that this Disney Plus stuff hints at um, a lot less crossovers in the MCU going forward. We know that, like, making Infinity War an endgame, it doesn't matter how much money the endgame makes at the box office. It's pro- it's not going to be as profitable as Black Panther because, you know, you've got all of these actors who have signed mm. extensions and, a, you know, an, a, a second and a third contract and they're on a huge amount of money just to appear. And then as soon as you have all of those characters showing up and turning up all at the same time, it costs a huge amount of money. Um, I think like seeing stuff like uh, even Falcon show up in an Ant-Man movie or I think that kind of stuff is going to slow down a lot. And I think that these big crossover events, Marvel have potentially, Kevin Feige has been talking about a five-year plan for phase four. I'd be shocked if we get any kind of big crossover, you know, not like I said, I don't think we'll see another Civil War type of movie. I think the next big crossover that you get will be at the end, yeah or, or or whatever that ends up being whether it's whether it's an ex a movie that introduces the x-men and the fantastic four all that kind of stuff i think we're going to see less and less and less of that kind of stuff and instead rather than paying hawkeye to turn up or jeremy Renner to turn up as hawkeye in doctor strange 2 you do a disney plus series with him 
so the characters you still want to use, you tell their own stories rather than rather than doing more and more crossovers. And I think that's probably a good thing for the for the movies themselves that you can focus more on the character whose story you're actually telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have we still got Seb? Or have we... Yes. No, I'm still yeah, here. So... <laughs> I didn't know whether you cut out. <laughs> no, I just, just have nothing to add. <laughs> At this just, point. Just say, just say that you are a Hulk guy and we'll, we'll move on. No, I, I mean, it, I think it's funny that James said he was going to let me have the argument and then he had the argument. <laughs> um, I, I do take the point about Fraction Hawkeye specifically being incompatible with Jeremy Renner, but I still think a fun version of Hawkeye that does some things we haven't seen him do in the movies is entirely feasible. In <laughs> like some show. things. Yes, a fun Hawkeye that does anything is feasible <laughs> in a TV show. I am. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember when he showed up in Thor, and his big thing was not shooting an arrow? Well, no. Let's let's be fair. <laughs> and I, I say this as someone who rewatched Thor this morning. Um, <laughs> I'm cool. I know. I've seen your letterbox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Thor was shot, and then they filmed the Jeremy Renner stuff afterwards, knowing that they were going to be bedding him into the Avengers, and so Jeremy Renner <laughs> just has to stand on this crane. Kind of aiming an arrow, saying, Coulson, do you want me to shoot? Do you want me to shoot? I can shoot. Do you want me to shoot? Nah. Okay. (laughs) And then he's never mentioned again. (laughs) And I honestly, I think that that the fact that Marvel haven't done much of that since, um, I think they did more damage to Hawkeye with that scene. I think that's that's part of the reason he gets so much stick. Because it's because they introduced him in such a naff way and then Joss Whedon went, What do I want to do with this character? Brainwash. Two thirds of the movie brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> it took so long to actually get to him as a character. Yeah, I love him though. Okay, um, let's move on to DC, um, and we're going to start off with a load of um, rumors and reporting around the Suicide Squad, um, James Gunn's uh, sequel reboot of Suicide Squad. I don't know at this point. Um, we were talking about this on the last minisode that we had to assume that Idris Elba was playing Deadshot because if not, the way that it was reported kind of saying Idris Elba is replacing Will Smith in in Suicide Squad 2 would kind of be like a little bit implicitly racist if they were like, he's replacing him as, an, as another black character because he's just the black guy. Um so apparently what happened is that Idris Elba was brought on board to play Deadshot, but now he's not going to be doing, he's going to be playing a different character. Um, the reason being that um, James Gunn kind of wanted him to have his own character, uh, to be able to craft that character himself. And also I think to not piss Will Smith off and, it wasn't that Will Smith had said no to the movie. It was genuine scheduling com- conflicts. So they in which case, to... yeah, you don't want to shut that door. Yes. given the box office that, that Will Smith. I am sad will bring. that it, I am sad that we've therefore been denied Idris Elba trying to replicate a Will Smith performance. Because <laughs> imagine how bad that would have been. Like just will... just try and imagine how much you'd laugh throughout the entire film. Will Smith is in uh, is in more of the mode that Idris Elba could. Yeah, but it's, okay. it's, like the end, it's like the two ends of their range crossing over. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, precisely. It's so, very clear 
to me who Idris Elba is most likely to be playing, though? Um, I, I, I think I might know, but I'm going to let you say. Bronze Tiger. Yes. Because it actually fits age-wise as well, because kind of part of the thing with Bronze Tiger is that he's, he is someone who's kind of been around for a little while, and part of the reason why he's kind of with the Suicide Squad is he's someone who sort of, I think, kind of hasn't really... This is, this is I'm going back to the kind of the, the John Ostrander 80s run, um, and he sort of doesn't really have a place anywhere, uh, and it's a, is a bit kind of grizzled, you know? So it... it for me, it fits as an Idris Elba character, definitely. And I'm not and just Bronze saying that. Tiger well, I'm partly saying a... that because James Gunn posted on Instagram um, an, an Ostrander-era Suicide Squad cover right. um, that's got Bronze Tiger on it. <laughs> Bronze Tiger has been in Arrow, uh, played by oh, Michael Jai White. Um, ah, that's, so... good. that's very good casting, actually. Mm. I didn't know he'd played him. Yeah. He was in three episodes in season two, uh, which is back when I watched it, so I have seen those. But apparently he's been back... Um, in like a six second, sixth episode arc in the most recent series as well, uh, but he was he was part of a of of what was a Suicide Squad lineup in that in that show as well. I think they had. I'm trying to remember. I think I think Deadshot was one of them actually. Um, I'm just looking now. Um, Deadshot, Bronze Tiger, and Shrapnel were the three characters that they had there. And um, there was like a tease, I remember, in that episode. Amanda Waller was there as well, and there was a tease that potentially um, Harley Quinn would be joining at some point, um, and they never quite figured that out. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, so that, that would be cool. He seemed like a cool character on Yeah, no, he that. is, I'll say. I, th- I think he's, I think he is one, of the, one of the characters who has kind of got a bit of a depth because they, it's the moral ambiguity of, you know, he's someone who was, um, you know, he'd kind of worked as, as, as an assassin, but... Um, in Suicide Squad, obviously they're all villains, again, kind of in the original one, but I think in the modern one as well, they're all villains to some extent, but you've got the villains who have a code of some kind and the villains who are just dickheads. You know, it's your Captain Boomerang versus your how Deadshot was in the first film. And, um, yeah, Bronze Tiger is very much one of the ones who, he's one of the, the, the good guys as far as Suicide Squad bad guys go. Nice. So, yeah. So the other rumours... Um around this film I think we talked about some of this before that Jai Courtney is expected to return as is Viola Davis as Amanda Waller um, now the most recent reporting says that Joel Kinnaman is also expected to return as Rick Flagg um, imagine though you guys the, the the original casting for that was Tom Hardy imagine Tom <laughs> Hardy in a, in a James Gunn movie that I would have liked to have seen um, and then the other characters that are rumoured to be new additions are um, I'll just read these out and you can tell me who's most interesting afterwards. Ratcatcher, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Peacemaker. Ah, well, you know who <laughs> Peacemaker is. I do not. <laughs> Peacemaker is the comedian. Oh. <laughs> the, the original title of Watchmen, when it was going to be the Charlton characters, was Who Killed the Peacemaker. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right, so all that. <laughs> I've never even heard of the others. Oh, well, oh, King, King Shark, Shark. King Shark has been in uh, Flash quite a bit. King Shark originates in the '90s Superboy stuff uh, because <laughs> like um, all the best ideas, right? Well, no, well, the, the '90s Superboy, the kind of the the early part, actually, no, a good chunk of of Superboy solo stuff. Um, they packed him off to Hawaii, 
um, and it was his stories were set there for a while. It was the car keys on and Tom Grummet stuff. It's great fun. It's it's you know it's, well I love that I love that character in in that form and in that era. Um, so yeah, what do you do when you've sent your uh, character to live on a heavily beach based island? Uh, you give him a shark based supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I I don't know whether this is what James Gunn's doing, but the 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 characters and the casting makes me wonder whether maybe this is what he could be doing is like King shark feels like if you're not bringing back killer croc, that's the direct replacement there. Right. (laughs) You've got Idris Elba playing potentially bronze tiger instead of Deadshot. It's unlikely that Harley Quinn returns. You've brought back captain boomerang who, you know, Joe Courtney actually one of the more fun aspects of that movie, but there's no doubt that like boomerang is shit. (laughs) Like in that, especially in that guy's that he's ju- he's just a like a lager swilling Aussie. Um, I wonder if James Gunn, what he's actually doing is, what if I took this kind of like band of misfit villains and I just did a version where like everyone is a slightly more shit version of what they were in the last movie, and it's like a, a proper underdog story of we're not even the prop, we're not even the proper <laughs> Suicide Squad. We're the shit Suicide. We're the shit <laughs> Suicide Squad. That's yeah. a, I, I like that as a premise actually. It's, I mean, it's it, it's 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 doing Justice League International with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, and Polka Dot Man. Well, I mean, I don't know what Polka Dot Batman's vibe is, uh, but I've Googled him, I've seen a picture, and um, yeah, yeah, apparently he's a Batman character, so I would not be at all surprised if he'd shown up in Lego Batman. That that sounds like his kind of thing. Uh, I mean, he was I'm... a minor supervillain who fought uh, Batman in his early in his career. I kind of think the way James Gunn is going to take this is everyone just dies in the movie. And ideally, like, he's bringing back the bad people from the previous movie. So they're going to die to give it some sort of meaning. I think everyone will end this movie dead. (laughs) I'd I'd quite like a Harley Quinn cameo when she, like, but just for her to kind of want, like, wander in early on when the squad's been assembled and go, oh, no, I've got better things to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally break the fourth wall and say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but hey who'd have thought it right i got interested in a in a suicide squad sequel i think i finally got there <laughs> <laughs> finally i mean yeah, yeah I, I am, on, on I am interested too, just because uh... yeah no that, seb, seb we've we talked about this <laughs> i am not james when it comes to the audience too do you know what i'm also obviously i've just spoken about rewatching thor i am rewatching the mcu movies just not all in a 48 hour span this time um and the kind of the movies that i'm most intrigued to get to get back around to again are like age of ultron and guardians of the galaxy 2 these like flawed but really interesting marvel movies rather than some of the more generic entries and some of the ones that people like a lot more than those two. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm looking forward to getting back around to that. Or maybe I'll just zone out during all the Peter stuff. What, what were you going to say, James? Sorry, because because yeah, you are the one who, who's less keen on on more recent James Gunn. Just that, like I am more interested in James Gunn when he's not trying to be like he was in Guardians 2 which is like meaningful <laughs> like just do James Gunn when he's being stupid I'm I'm fine with that 
You you may get your wish on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um okay, uh so um Save the big one for last. I just wanted to uh, briefly touch on this. Um, Seb, you are um, at least engaged to some extent in the um, DC Universe shows, the Titans and Doom Patrol. Ah, uh, yeah. I wonder, I wondered if you were going to have picked up on this. Yes. Uh, yeah, so... I've, I've, I've only seen watched bits of Titans, but I've I've talked about... I, and I've, I've watched some of Doom Patrol and enjoyed it and waiting for it to come on. But yeah, this is interesting. So, season two of Titans. Um, I think we joked about uh, recently how many Alfred Pennyworths there are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but but how, how relatively few Bruce Waynes there are. And in fact... <laughs> At the moment, are there any that are actually like? Is I guess there's the one there's the one in Gotham who's finally being allowed to be Batman in yeah. the fi- in the final couple I, of episodes. I, I, I think we did establish that technically, if you assume Affleck is no longer is a deactivated Batman, mm-hmm. um, then then Gotham was the only active Bruce Wayne at the moment. Yeah, and maybe Lego Batman, but I don't think animation counts. Um, But there's going to be a new one. So Titan Season 2 has already been casting up characters like um, Deathstroke, Jericho, uh, Ravager, uh, Ravager, sorry. Um, But the big one that they've cast is Bruce Wayne. Um, And he will be played by Ian Glenn, um, who... uh, Seb, you wouldn't know, but has been um, one of the stars of Game of Thrones for the past oh, didn't, yeah, yeah, I, 10 yeah, years. I'm, I'm... <laughs> no, no, you're not aware of anything that happens on that show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, for, for any listeners who don't know, he plays Jorah Mormont on that show and is um, has been really good throughout. And um, I don't know about you, Seb, I like this casting as a, as a slightly older, grizzled Bruce Wayne. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher, but I'm, I'm very familiar with Ian Glenn. He had a great role once again in a Stephen Moffat Doctor Who two-parter. Uh, he's in um, the Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone, the Weeping Angels two-parter from Stephen Moffat's first series, um, and he's excellent in that. I mean, I think at the time that he was in that, obviously, he hadn't done Game of Thrones, um, and I think what he was best known for then. Uh, was a series of adverts. I mean, he's done loads of adverts, but there was a particular set of adverts that were on at the time, and I can't remember what it was for. I think it might have been for like a like like cough lozenges or something like that, because he was just known for having this incredibly gravelly Scottish voice. Um, <laughs> I think I think his voice is more famous than his face. Like if you if you look at a picture of him and you don't necessarily recognise him, listen to him talking, and you will have heard his voice on British TV in the last <laughs> 10, 20 years. Well, um, and he's he's done loads of stuff in British TV, and he's even I mean, like people will have seen him before then popping up in stuff like the the very very bad Tomb Raider movie. Um, and <laughs> he was in Downton uh, for a good while as well. I think he was a major character in Downton. Right. Okay, and he was in some of the Resident Evil movies. He did a series of spooks. Um, and um, he's you know he, he, he's a classic of that watched. guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also, um, I think yeah, for a for a grizzled old Batman, I mean, he's got a bit of a look of a kind of Clint Eastwood about him in that sort of that 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 you know, as I say, that grizzled, chiseled kind of way. Which, if you're looking for an old Batman, that's kind of what you want, isn't it? Mm. Oh, he was the Earl of Warwick in the Hollow Crown. <laughs> there you go. So I, I imagine everyone will have something that they know in yeah, Glenn exactly. from. Yeah, even even totally if they haven't watched Game guy. of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Frank so I thought... Of Anne Frank. 
I thought that was interesting casting and also kind of it also suggests that DC have now got enough confidence in those shows and in that platform that they're going yeah we're we're happy to do that because Batman is famously like the one character who seems absolutely 100% off limits in the in the Flowerverse shows mm. Um, do you think he's going to turn up and be Batman though? I think he's going to turn up and be a retired well, no, it's, Bruce it's Wayne. Very specifically never... said, it's very specifically said that he's Bruce Wayne. Um, but it's interesting because I think um, obviously in, in Titans, Dick is retired. Uh, well, not retired as Robin, but he's not Batman's partner anymore. Yeah. But then you've got Jason Todd and Jason Todd is young. Jason is, Jason's not put, portrayed as a past Robin, is he? He's a current Robin. He's oh, I've like not, I've not the got new that. guy, I think. Yeah, I've, I, I've not, not seen that the, the episode where they bring him in. Um, but I, he's I, I also been the elevated to a series regular in season two as well. Right. So I thought the implication was that he was currently Batman's sidekick uh, rather than formerly. So that's interesting. But then you know, are they going? Are they doing something just because they've cast him as Bruce Wayne? Does it mean that they've cast him as a Bruce Wayne who is contemporary? Um, I mean, what they did at the end of the series, they actually had a, a Batman appearance of sorts. Um, you didn't see his face or anything, but they had an actor in a bat suit. Um, but it was all a, it was all a vision. Sorry to spoil the end of season one of Titans. Um, so you know, or it could be a, it could be in the future. There's all kinds of things that it could be. Just to say he's been cast as Bruce Wayne doesn't mean this is the current Bruce Wayne. Um, you know, but then it might be. Yeah. Or or he'll play Batman and we won't see him in the suit. I mean, we, yeah. I'm also, we don't know that the current Batman is Bruce Wayne in Titans. It could be a Terry McGuinness Batman Beyond kind of situation. <laughs> You're I mean, hoping it's Azrael, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, I think we're at a point where we've had enough Batman now that I would happily see a take on Nightfall in the sense of do a do a Jean Paul Valley and. Uh, yeah, why not? Why the hell not? Maybe that's what <laughs> Matt Reeves will do. Fuck it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just um, see that costume in live action one day. Just one day. Send start tweeting Matt Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our final piece of news, and this is um, I thought I'd save this to last just because it's one of the chunkier, more interesting things to talk about. We finally got the trailer for Joker. It was a couple of weeks ago now, but we weren't mm. able to talk about it in the Shazam episode. Um, what do you guys think? I feel like I- I'm going to hear a lot of conflicted thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I definitely, I've seen quite a few people sort of caught between two views um, and feeling them both at the same time. <laughs> Can I just I, guess what those views are? Yeah. Are they, <laughs> this film looks really good, but I'm fundamentally opposed to it existing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the reasons that I'm opposed to it actually are less the the moral reasons that I've seen some people talking about, which I'll, I'll come to in a minute because I, I very much mm. sympathise with that. Um, just from a comicsy point of view, I just think a making the Joker in any way sympathetic, or and b in any way filling in the Joker's background are are fundamentally bad ideas. And I don't even really mean that from a this is heresy point of view because I think we're long past the point where we can really complain about films and TV shows doing something differently from the comics. It's not. It's not that it's it's wrong. I I just think it's dramatically and narratively 
pointless and bad because the, what makes the Joker work is that A, you can always rely on him to be fundamentally evil and never do the right thing <laughs> and B, you don't know who he is and where he comes from. Now, I, I don't want to judge the movie on that completely because I do still harbour this suspicion that it is an all is not as it seems kind of thing and I don't necessarily believe that Arthur is actually the Joker. Yeah, I've still got this even after seeing that trailer, that like, if anything, yeah. seeing that trailer makes me think it's more likely that he's not the Joker. Yeah, I, I think he's potentially a Joker victim, Yeah, um, like, which would be really interesting. No, but, but by the same token, I'd like to see Joaquin Phoenix actually playing the Joker because he's great and he comes across so well in that trailer. Yeah, um, I just the watched argument, these Sisters Brothers this weekend and... Um, He's just an actor that anytime he turns up in something, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whether this ends up being bad, it's going to be interesting. And mm. he seems to more often than not make smart choices with the with the projects he signs on to. I mean, this is yeah. still a movie that is directed by Todd Phillips. <laughs> but not, actually... not Todd Solons, as a, a conversation recently with a, a friend of the podcast who shall remain nameless, um, realised that it, that he didn't realise that Todd Solons and Todd Phillips weren't the same person. Wow. <laughs> Those are two different directors right there. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is actually, like, visually, uh, it does look like um, Todd Phillips has, has got a real Scorsese fetish, but... yeah. <laughs> Uh, if he does it well, that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. And I thought that there was there was some visual stuff going on in this trailer that I thought, oh, mm. it does yeah. look it does look pretty. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of I kind of liked some of the stuff that was going on there. And yeah, the Joaquin Phoenix of it all makes me go, yeah, I'm interested. And I wonder whether anyone the stuff that people are saying, oh, I feel conflicted about this and. Is it potentially humanizing this monstrous character? If this was a movie that was just called, I don't know, The Clown, rather than The Joker, would well, pe- would people be thinking having those same concerns? I th- I think so because I think there was there was um a, this point was kind of um, articulated very well if you look back in the tweets of Rachel Stott, comics artist. Um, and I think that I think there is a wider point. It's not just about it being the Joker. Uh, it's about it being a film um, that is about this kind of straight white male power fantasy violence thing. Um, And, I mean, the point that she was actually making was that what happens is you get films like this that are presented as a sort of, oh, this is edgy, we're doing this, this hasn't been done. And it's like, actually, it it has been being done for (laughs) 40-odd years, you know. Um, and I think it, I think there is a danger as well of people, if this is presented in a certain way, people taking it at face value in oh, there's a, a, way in a that fight you... club kind of way. Yeah, there's a way um, you can do this wrong. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The uh, problem is, even if you do it right, yeah, there's exactly. a large section of the audience yes. that are going to see it as a sort of aspirational, like... Oh, this is why he, the fight club comparison. Turned around, yeah, yeah, like he was shit on by society, and he turned it around on them. Like, good on him. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, oh, yeah, and, and, and obviously, it, the even more obvious example is Taxi Driver. Yeah. Uh, because this is that's what you know. This is shooting as a, to sit somewhere between Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, and 
you know, the number of people who still think that Taxi Driver as a film is is sympathetic towards Travis Bickle, um, is, you know, that has become almost you know the kind of the pervading narrative that that he's cool I, and then it's. I would, know. yeah, I, I yeah, I I understand that point of view. What I would say is, I don't think that I, I think the the point that I would disagree with, which James just said, would be that even if you do this right, you're going to have a section of the audience, because I mean, like uh, Quacking Phoenix plays a character like the played a character like this very recently and you were never really here where here is this straight white dude who has been shit on by society and has turned to horrific violence as a result um and that I, I, was, yeah, that wasn't attached a, to a, one of pop culture's like exactly. most well, popular yeah. figures and and i think there is that you have to I think there is that element where you have to take into consideration the context of the time and those figures in reality who are already inclined to make themselves the hero of their stories. Um, what I, I think it just I think it entirely comes down to the execution. I, I, I don't, don't I, I, I don't think it's a I don't, I don't think there's think any Joker movie conclusion. you can make that certain people wouldn't interpret as sort of license for them to be dipshits. Yeah, it's like you said though. We don't even know whether he is the Joker. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I, you know, and it comes back to I'm not I'm I'm not saying that you know people kind of making art should hold back on that because of the potential for it to be misconstrued by the wrong parts of society i mean that's getting into a whole bigger conversation that we don't have time for here it's just something that does make me slightly uneasy about this film in that i can already see just as we got with Heath Ledger's Joker, just as we got yeah. with V for Vendetta, let's not forget that V was a murderous terrorist. Um, just as we got with Rorschach, you know, this is going oh, God, to be yeah. another character that these guys will pick up on and and identify with and see as the hero. And there is that, as I say, it's just that it's that it's that read the room. It's like is is that the yeah, story? Is this is this the story you want to tell at this point right in now in history? Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, in in a different year, even like ten years, you know, I wouldn't have said this about Dark Knight in two thousand and eight. The world didn't feel in such a place that that Heath Ledger's Joker felt like a dangerous thing to put out in the world in two thousand and eight, the way that it slightly does now. Maybe we're overstating this, but I just think there, it's just it just gives cause for. I just don't want to sit here and go, "Wow, this film looks really cool." And oh just no, talk no, no, about no. it purely in the sense of it looks cool because aesthetically it really, really does. And and I, you know that trailer was very, very impressive, and really made me think. You know, this could this could be a really fantastically entertaining film. And this is like this but is it's kind just of that niggle in the back of the mind. It's kind of the problem, right? Is that as soon as you humanize the Joker, you as you say, you make him sympathetic. So if this is assuming like taking it at face value, if this is the Joker, we're going what we're gonna see is a man pushed to breaking point to the point where he becomes like murderously insane. Mm. And we're gonna feel bad for him. And we're going it's to like, identify with him. It's like people take the killing joke, um, and it's another example of actually, I think, misreading what the intent was. Mm. People look at the killing joke, and they go, ah, oh, well, you see, the killing joke, that's the story of how, you know, this guy just had this one bad day, and it pushed him to the edge, and that's what made him become the Joker. And it's like they didn't read the whole book, <laughs> because the point of the killing joke is that that's what the Joker believes. The Joker believes that one bad day in yeah, the Yeah, that anyone can turn into insane. him. And the point yeah, is, and he tr- 
they he can't. tries to do it to Commissioner Gordon, and the whole point of the story is that he doesn't succeed. Yeah, it's he that puts he's him wrong. through this awful thing, and it doesn't change Commissioner Gordon. But people miss that part of it, and they just go, "Oh yeah, well that's the point of the Killing Joke is that it shows that you know anyone could be the Joker." No, they that's, couldn't. That's only because the Joker could be the Joker. What Alan Moore did was write a story with subtext for people who are only interested <laughs> in text. But it's in the text. It's not even in the subtext. Yeah. It's, it's not the subtext. It's just the second half of the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, just I'm, to... I'm, I'm really interested in what this movie ends up being. I I, I still think there is a, there is a movie that that does all of the stuff that you're talking about and comments on it. Oh yeah, no, but that's, like, that's the that's the smartest possible version mm. of this film. Th- that version of the film is this like sad sack guy gets killed by the Joker at the end and yeah. achieves nothing, is remembered for nothing. Like someone else takes his identity and becomes the Joker. Like that's the like that's the version of this film that says, "Hey, if you become a murderous psychopath to get back at the world, you'll still end up like nameless and forgotten in a ditch." Like that's the version that that does it responsibly. Hmm. Although, like, just to really drag it away from the like negativity. I say the negativity. I'm about to say something negative again. The thing, <laughs> the thing for me is like the fundamental point of the Joker is that he's beyond any understanding, and like his interplay with Batman is that. Batman's a detective and the Joker is like not working through any sort of rational means. And I think as soon as you try and give the Joker any concrete backstory beyond he's completely insane, you sort of, you start to tease out this idea that he's in any way like comprehensible as an individual. Like, nothing before he became the joker doesn't matter because nothing he did before he was the joker has any effect on what he does now Mm. so in that sense like what are we actually what's it actually going to add to the character or to the mythos to know this like fundamentally nothing it's it's only going to take stuff away from the character does it need to add something to the character or the mythos could does it it, can it not just be its own thing well when you say its own thing though like pop culture has a way of swallowing these things and like you get you get situations where, like, you know, Frank Miller writes a Daredevil screenplay that becomes a comic, and then suddenly that supplants the original version of Daredevil's origin and becomes the definitive one. Like, you, you can't, but, but you can't say, but, "Oh, this is just a Joker story that doesn't connect to the other Joker stories." Like, they all connect. But, but I think what I'm saying is, if if you think that it's not going to add anything or contribute to anything, then it won't. I mean, I think it won't. But if it's, if, you know, if, like Seb says, if it's cool enough, there's there's this thing that it can. Or if it's good. That's the upside. What if it contributes something to the idea of the Joker that we I think I think before? what it will contribute is a ton of money to Warner and long term, maybe that's all that matters. Like, who knows? And I just think fundamentally it's a story that's going to be better off not being told. Or if it if it is better being told, like, do it with a... If the story itself is good, do it with a different character. I think this I, this to me seems like a, a story that... Or a film that has been creatively driven that Todd Phillips has 
has got his has got this script and has wanted to make it. I think that if it was just Warner wanting to make a bunch of money, they would be doing it through all of the DCEU stuff. And yeah, probably. And pro- and it probably wouldn't be turning up with what I assume is going to be an R rating here. Um, yeah, I mean, we're to- Todd Phillips co-wrote <laughs> this. He's producing. Uh, we should mention Martin Scorsese, as we figured out on the podcast about a year ago, <laughs> no, has, has not been attached as a producer for some time. So even though it looks like a Scorsese movie, he isn't working on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I just... For all that this is Todd Phillips, and I don't love a lot of Todd Phillips' films, I don't think he's a completely uninteresting filmmaker. And I think that there's normally a streak of something in his films that I go, oh, okay, I, I see why you've done this. And I see, like, even even a film like The Hangover Part 2, which feels, like, creatively redundant, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of get it, and do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the uh, the comparison here that damns it all. He reminds me a bit of Zack Snyder. That <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I, I I don't think it's like it's not. That, that there is intention there, and that there is, and that there's care and attention put into it. Um, and whether it, whether what, whether the film that comes out of the other side is something that we abs, I could imagine this being something that we just go, oh my god, that is horrendous. <laughs> I, I, I just wish that movie had not existed. That's entirely possible. But at the same time, I kind of think hmm, this could be something really interesting. Yeah, and it's not I, I sort of, I, I get the feeling that this is one of those things where I sort of fundamentally disagree with any approach that he might be that like Todd Phillips might be taking and so on that reason I'm never going to be won over by the idea although that said like you know good trailer <laughs> like, can't deny that I'm looking forward to this next year I, uh, I'm fully expecting to... to go and watch that movie and probably enjoy yeah. it but then I'm not the sort of person who's going to come out and think oh that's really good I'm going to go you know stick some bullets in some people as a result <laughs> Yeah, I would hope not. Um, so James is going to love the Joker, and then he's going to love the Watchmen prequel series, and then he's going to love the Eternals. I can see all of these things. <laughs> and then to he's pass. finally going to watch Legion. I'm just, I'm, I'm never going to watch the Watchmen prequel series. I can absolutely promise you that. Not, not one second of those things is going to pass my eyes. This is your Ludovico test. <laughs> yeah if i if in a year's time i start tweeting like hey really enjoyed the watchman prequels like <laughs> call the wrong. police or something because it means i'm that's kidnapped your, that's your message yeah. yeah it means you've had your joker breaking point moment yeah yeah okay um so that was the joker trailer um uh, that's it for this week's uh minisode um don't forget that our next episode is on aquaman which is now available um on home release so that's good so if you haven't had enough of me saying like oh this was shit you can tune into aquaman no and then i'll be saying actually this was better than it could have been seb have you seen it yet (laughs) no i'm looking looking forward to you experiencing aquaman have you got a nice big tv um reasonably have you got a nice comfy sofa Turn down the brightness a couple of notches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be my Saturday night this week. I think yeah, it's gonna be a yeah. Sunday morning, is it? <laughs> so, listeners, if you want to catch up before then, if you haven't seen it, but given the box office of that movie, you probably have. Uh, maybe watch it again. Um, 
And that's going to be filling the gap between now and Endgame. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 